Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Hello, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and today Cam and Carissa Sardano are with me. We're going to be discussing Cam's sermon from this past Sunday, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. So Cam, Carissa, good to have you with us and been looking forward to this. Young couple here who've been married only how many months, Cam? I think we're seven and a half months. You don't have the days and hours down? Come on now. Uh, in some odd hours. Okay, very good. But it's all been sweet, I know. Hey, why don't you both introduce yourselves, and both individually and then uh, as a couple, tell where you've been and uh, what you're doing right now. Yeah, so my name is Cam Sardarno. Uh, I've lived in Cedarville for, this is my fifth year. I graduated from the university last year with my uh, BA, my Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, and my Master of Divinity with a concentration in missions. And for most of those years, I've been an associate member and a full member here at Grace, uh, and currently have the privilege of serving as an intern uh, with Pastor Tim, and anticipate serving as a resident here next year. Uh, originally from Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, currently uh, my wife and I, who will introduce herself, are uh, considering whether or not the Lord might lead us to church plant in Massachusetts uh, in and through grace. So that's the stage of life we're at right now, newlyweds, living in the village, and just grateful to be part of this body. Yeah, and I'm Carissa Sardano, and I have been a member at Grace for a little over a year, and I transferred to Cedarville last school year. Um, Cam and I first met at Word of Life Bible Institute in New York, so we did two years there, and then I was overseas interning with missionaries in South Korea, um, and then I came here. And so I'm finishing my degree in linguistics, and my concentration is in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Um, yeah, so like what Cam said, we're looking to see um, if the Lord might have church planting in our future and just using our gifts and talents strategically in a place that lacks churches and believers. And that was one of the things that struck me. We'll get into our passage here in just a moment. But when we were in Boston visiting my son in Marblehead, uh, and they just moved away from there, but the relative lack of good churches there in the Boston area, it amazed me having read all of the biographies and the accounts, you know, the Jonathan Edwards and all the accounts of uh, the the Mather families and, and the, so forth down through that East Coast, Harvard, Yale being, uh, yeah. being formed, predicated right. on the Word of God, and now such a dearth of good churches. Yeah, it's in the greater Boston area, there is 5 million people roughly uh, with roughly 60 to 70 gospel believing churches, which is about a ratio of one church for every 42, 43,000 people, which compared to North Carolina, there's a gospel preaching church for every one or 2000 people. So even if everyone in Boston wanted to go to church, there aren't even enough churches to do so, let alone Christians for unbelievers to interact with or hear the gospel from. And I don't want to leave you out, Carissa, because my in-laws 
spent a lot of time up at Word of Life. So we have a long uh, history in my wife's family up at Word of Life. So mm-hmm. it's good to have both of you here. Let's jump into this passage. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris, I, I, want, I wonder if you can share with us, in this passage's first verse, in verse 12, Paul emphasizes that, that even he, as a Pharisee, he calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, he's continually in the process of, he calls it pressing on in the faith. And in fact, in chapter 2, verse 12, he, he calls the reader to work out your own salvation. So a lot of similar uh, feels here. So we have a number of young and newly marrieds here in, in Grace, and some are preparing for marriage even. What are some of the specific nuances of this pressing on idea that have been challenges for you as you've adjusted to married life? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say as a married person now, like something we learned in our premarital counseling that really um, has stuck with me is that your spouse is your primary ministry. And so that's not to say that you're not ministering to others, but that the first person that you are ministering to in the little, um, the little details is, um, that person that you're committed to. So you're pressing on and you're striving. You almost get to practice that, you know, firsthand with your spouse. Um, and I would say like, that's not just ministering to that person, but ministering with that person and like having that vulnerability. Like we had a conversation last night, just talking through things we were both wrestling with and trying to figure out, um, yeah, what does that look like to follow the Lord just in our marriage? And then the health of that directly affects the way that you press on in other relationships in ministry too. And so... Yeah, that's been like a sweet thing to have in our relationship so far and just getting to mature that in the few months (laughs) that we've been married. But um, yeah, I would just say that those challenges can be, you know, like the stereotypical, like serving one another and doing like the things that you really don't want to do. Um, But seeing how that's a way to love that person and set them up for success. Um you know, whether that be dishes or making lunch or just like sharing quiet time too is just like such an encouragement. And, um, I know I benefit from cam pressing on (laughs) and, um, though my motivation, yeah, my motivation to press on, um, is to know Christ, but also to share that with cam too. So do you, have you experienced the uh, old adage that you never realize how selfish you are until you get married? Cam, I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> Not at all, actually. No, okay, good. I'm glad, glad that you bypassed that. Yes. <laughs> no, of, of course, yeah, that adage has definitely been true. Uh, I think I think I realized that, um, that I was oftentimes more unaware of my selfishness before being married, because I could pick and choose the opportunities I would choose to serve and engage in. And, but I could also kind of pull back when I desire to. But when you're married, it's kind of like you're always on the clock. And uh, even even those opportunities where you might, uh, you know, pull back, you're, you're with your spouse. And um, in some ways that that has turned out to be a really a really good thing, because it's exposed to me uh, that Humility and service are, are not uh, primarily just on our own terms, but even uh, seeing the example of Christ in the gospel narratives, 
uh, someone who is incredibly interruptible and compassionate towards people. And mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, the Lord has helped me to press on and knowing Christ more practically uh, through the opportunities he's given, given me to live that out in relationship with Carissa. I would also say, though, uh, and I mentioned this in the sermon, but as we consider pressing on to know Christ, as we think about leveraging our finances and even our vocation and where we're willing to live, our location for the sake of the gospel, I've also found that uh, one of the challenges in, in being married is just realizing that not only does your giving or your going have implications for you, but for your spouse and, you know, even just dreaming about a family or, you know, uh, uh, a house or, or things of that nature uh, has caused us to just uh, really consider that Jesus is not only worth living for uh, individually, but together with all the implications that will have on us as a couple and as a family uh, into the future. And and that's something that is a work in progress for us. And we're really grateful to be able to do that alongside our church family. I've had people ask me, how long does it take to get that down? I said, well, it's longer than 33 years because that's how <laughs> long I've been married. So, mm-hmm. and we haven't achieved it yet, but we, you, there, there is a, but, and, and isn't that the idea that Paul's referencing here? The idea of pressing on and it's a continual thing. It's not something you just do daily, although you do do it daily, but it's something that we're always going to be doing this this side of heaven. I'm reminded of the passage in 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul tells us that we one day we will know, even as we are known, sort of like the we're no longer going to be in the shadow lands, the veil's going to be lifted, we're going to be able to see everything as clearly as Adam and Eve, I think, did. And uh, But until then, we press on. Very good. Well, Cam, you talked about the starting line of the Christian faith and beginning a life in Christ. So for those who are, say, in their teens, early 20s, that's where you folks are, those who are desiring to develop the disciplines that will help their faith to grow, perhaps they're into adulthood, have never developed in their faith. Maybe they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s or so, who've never really developed in their faith. What are some suggestions that you would give those who are younger in the faith for spiritual development? What are some starting points? Yeah, I think that is uh, one of the primary questions we should ask. And in many ways, I think it it is because that's a question that I think we will continue to have to go back to the answer to for the entirety of our lives. Uh, And I think in many ways, uh, Paul's example in the text is one of going back to his conversion, going back to the gospel and what Christ has done to accomplish his salvation and save him. And I think for me, when I was starting out in the Christian life, I had an assumption that the gospel was the, uh, as Tim Keller would say, the ABCs of the Christian faith, but then you move on to greater things rather than the A through Zs of the Christian faith, something that you never move past. Or I've also heard it said the gospel is not as much a breezeway into the building of Christianity, but it is the building itself. And I think in many ways, um, even Paul's example is one of ongoingly living a life of turning from sin, forgetting the things that lies behind in faith, ongoingly embracing Christ and wanting to know him more, which is fueled by uh, just an amazement at, what Jesus has done to save us. And I think my greatest encouragement 
as a starting point, but every step of the way would be continuing to go back to the gospel and to, in some ways, have a dissatisfaction with your current understanding of the gospel that compels you to more and more go further up and further into what Paul describes in Ephesians as the immeasurable riches of Christ. And, um, and we'll spend an eternity rejoicing in those riches. But I think that in some ways that in some ways I view as the fuel of the Christian life. Um, but then that is played out in, in, in some ways, ordinary ways. I think one of the greatest, if not the most formative habit of my life has been uh, daily time in scripture. And to be honest with you, uh, I have forgotten the vast majority of time I've spent in scripture. If I had to, you know, kind of estimate, but I know I've spent time in it because of the person I am today. Mm. And, um, and I think that just seeking to make a daily habit of getting in the word, uh, even having accountability from others is, is one where the roots will grow little by little. And over time you will see the tree grow as well. So I think, I think that would be another, uh, kind of dynamic that I would encourage those, uh, starting off in the race to, to engage in. But then I think the last one would be, uh, to not try to run solo and to really press into God's design of the local church as the, the place where not only you follow Christ, but, but we follow Christ. And, and I really think that really submitting yourself to a body to be overseen and to oversee others in your discipleship is, uh, is an investment that we will, um, not even begin to fathom the reward of that over the long run. And that isn't because the local church is perfect in many ways. I think some of the benefit is because we are all people who haven't arrived yet. And because through that, the gospel shines through even greater. So I wish, you know, that was something I learned earlier on in my life as a Christian, because it, it took me uh, several, several years before I really started to value the role of other Christians in my own, uh, my own race. So those are some things I would put forward. We hear, and this has been, this was something in my growing up years. Uh, we hear about our faith and well, it's, it's private. And what you're saying is it's not really private. It shouldn't be private. That's right. I would, I would go ahead and say your faith isn't private. It's personal. Uh, and, and that leaves room for, there is an individual accountability in that other people can't believe for you, but it's not private and that other people certainly do affect it and nurture it and should be involved in it. Great. Yeah. Great. Chris, I got to tell you Sunday morning, so I'm sitting there watching and I'm listening to your husband. Yeah. I'm sure you were too. (laughs) And I I was struck by some of the verbs that Paul uses to make his point here. He, 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 some of those verbs press on. Now, this is not a verb, it's a gerund, but forgetting uh, what lies behind, straining forward, think this way, hold true, imitate, walk. Mm. These words seem to lend themselves neither to an inactive nor a, a, as I say, private faith. Mm. It's an active pursuit that we have. Right. Yeah. Um, This makes me think of something one of my um, Bible professors said once in class, like last year, was that... Um, pursuing Christ and, um, maturing in Christ is not just, um, you know, standing there. Like we see from this text that you're actively moving towards Christ, towards knowing him. Um, and 
that it's like being on an escalator going down and you're trying to go up that as you strain to know the Lord and you strain to um, imitate Christ, that you are battling something, pushing against that, which is the world and sin and Satan. And so when we stop, it's not that we just coast, it's that we, we do not, um, we don't naturally just sway or, um, swerve over towards holiness, but that is, um, a work in progress that the Lord does in us and that we, um, must (laughs) seek the Lord for rather than just expect to receive. And so, um, yeah, it makes sense that these verbs are so active in clinging and holding um, to the word and thinking this way that it's not just through actions, but it's through um, thinking and believing and meditating on truth, um, hiding God's word in your heart, and that that is transforming your actions um, because, yeah, a race... You can't very well do run a race if you're just walking or even just standing there. It's a continual fight. Um, And yeah, again, like going off what Cam said, like that's not something I can do by myself because even if I'm running my best, like there are things that I'm going to be unaware of and I need help to do. Um, And that when I have a weak spot I need somebody else, another believer to come alongside and to help me with because, um, yeah, first off, it's no fun to run by yourself. <laughs> um, but also, it's I, just... I would classify, clarify, I don't think it's much fun to run in the first place right. without a ball anyway. <laughs> right, right. But it makes me think of like Lord of the Rings with like Frodo, like he had his faithful friend right. Sam, like he right. needed Sam, you know, to go with him. And without Sam, like he wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. And likewise, like we need the body of Christ with us, surrounding us to help us to continue um, and so, yeah, these verbs totally make sense that that is that, um, active strain towards the Lord. And I would just, I would just, uh, kind of play off of that and say, I think sometimes when we are told that we need to be running rather than walking, it can sound like a whole lot of legalism and condemnation and almost a, you just need to try harder or do better. But I think uh, when we hear that, we're misunderstanding the fact that for Paul, what's motivating him to strain is not the fact that he needs to get acceptance from God, but he's running out of and from the righteousness he's received already in Christ. So for me, when I'm struggling to strain, it's in many ways, oftentimes, because I've grown less aware of the free acceptance and grace that has been given to me. Um, So I don't need to believe God is harsher than I once thought, and therefore I need to run, but he's more gracious than I imagined. And, uh, And also just to realize that when we're straining, it's not a life of restlessness, but actually that type of a life of straining to know Christ as our prize is the most restful, satisfying life imaginable. That when we uh, pull back from that race and, and, and kind of rest in the things of this world instead, we're actually 
uh, as Jeremiah 2 describes, looking at broken cisterns to, to satisfy our needs rather than the fountain of living water. But really, Paul's in many ways commanding us and calling us to strain towards <laughs> drinking deeply from the fountain of living water uh, in the race that we're called to run, which is so encouraging. Yeah, and Cam, to that point, uh, you encouraged us on Sunday that Paul had reason in his flesh to be proud of his heritage but also in the spirit to be appalled by his past. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, there's something there. In his heritage, he, he could have been proud of his heritage, but he right. threw it away. Tim demonstrated that uh, here two weeks ago, two Sundays ago. Mm-hmm. He actually had a trash can. He threw all of his high school accolades. Now I'm hoping he pulled them back out. I think the Me kids too. would enjoy having those. But this is a battle that we all need to fight regularly, isn't it? It's a battle of... How much is up to me? Uh, yeah, I, I uh, mentioned an old coach uh, here a couple weeks ago who used to say, if it's to be, it's up to me. And mm-hmm. that's great on the basketball court, but it doesn't work real well in the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, and I would I would say that, yeah, for Paul, that wasn't a one-time event where he forgot and started straining, but he puts that in the, the ongoing uh, tense there. So it's something that uh, is, a, is a daily uh, even hour by hour decision where we are we're constantly prone to regard and to look to uh the things of our past or to look to other things in the present or in the future uh but but yeah i think there uh the two categories of things that puffed him up with pride or brought him low with shame uh, are both things that have one thing in common that is uh, that they dissuade you and turn you away from christ uh, so whether it is something you're proud of or ashamed of, the solution then is the gospel as the thing that brings you low in humility rather than pride, but also lifts you up in confidence of the righteousness we have in Christ, which frees us to then run in the way we're called to. And, and you know, I know, uh, Bart, in my own life that that those phrases there have just been really encouraging to me in this new season of the race I'm running where I've been particularly tempted to look back at the things that lie behind or to be uh, scared of the things that lie in the future, just to be grounded once again in my identity in Christ. So the Lord has really used that profoundly in my own life. Great. Well, Chris, uh, let's talk a a little bit about discipleship. And uh, I think both of you have been involved in discipleship, uh, being discipled and in discipling. Um, We're here at Grace continuing to grow in this area of faithfulness. We don't have it all licked yet, and we're still trying to encouraging people to uh, be disciplers. Uh, It's not something that's always easy. Can you share some of the blessings of discipleship that you've experienced over the years and enjoyed and how those opportunities came up and some of the things that you're doing now perhaps to disciple and be discipled yeah i think um just being at grace let's see a little over a year that um one of the ways that i have appreciated discipleship has been since joining as a small group leader in radiate um and just being involved with the students and getting to know them and being able to disciple them and being the word with them and just hear also the things that they're learning. Um, and they have been such a blessing to me, honestly. Um, like I was not (laughs) pursuing the Lord the way that they are now, um, in any way when I was their age. And so it's just encouraging to me, 
even though I'm like the older quote unquote wiser one, like I'm learning from them. <clears throat> and then um, I'd say in relationship to knowing older people, um, yeah, like I have friendships with ladies in the church that I really appreciate and um, people who share similar um passions like whether that's with teaching or just relating to people and um you know some of the elders wives have been encouragements to me um and that's been really cool but I think like that's still something that I am learning to tap into here at Grace I think is um something that I desire um to have more and to have more deeply um and I think that, like, doesn't have to necessarily be, like, sitting down, you know, across the table from somebody with, like, a cup of coffee and having, like, an hour and we're just going to, like, be in the word and talk. But, like, sometimes that's just, like, going on a walk or, like, coming over and letting me, like, sit in your messy house because I really don't care and just, like, taking part in uh, the life, the lives of other women in the church is something that... I appreciate and want to do more and I hope I can also be a part of but I know there's other opportunities at Grace too to get connected um, that I am excited for Um, and I think as I uh, yeah look to the next year of our time being here if not more like I want to invest in that even more so I'm still kind of jumping into that of what's already available at grace and hope to continue to cultivate that in my own life. So tell me about, uh, plans you have or what you've experienced maybe in the past. It may be a good place to start, but plans you have for marital discipleship and marital help as you together are pressing forward, pressing on. Yeah. I think, um, last year when we were dating and engaged, some of the sweetest times that we had with um, other couples from our church was um, just talking about marriage and ministry and um, going through like a couple books on marriage and just learning from the experiences of other people who have been married longer, who have been in ministry longer, and just hearing about the things that they have navigated um, and having questions answered that sometimes I didn't even know I had. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just hearing from the experience of experiences of other people has just been huge. Um, And I'd say also our small group consists of people who are our age, um, some who are single, some who are married. And those people have just been huge in cultivating our marriage. Um, Whether that's been explicitly talking about like our relationship or not but just our relationship with one another and with the Lord has just been huge in building into our marriage um so those have been some things in the past and things that continue that have been encouraging um but would love to hear what you think darling (laughs) yeah um no I I think those are all vital ways that the Lord has given us um I think that it is, there is a wealth of, of resources here at Grace. Um, but I think also, uh, like Carissa said, it's it's not always straightforward of how we tap into those or, or 
you know, um, there can be pockets of, of people who know and are known by one another, but pockets of people who aren't. And, and for me, uh, and for us as a couple, just even just through my own internship at grace has just, I think allowed us to be able to develop some of those relationships more quickly. And, um, and I can think through, uh, just at least three couples who were really formative for us, uh, a couple who's been married for, uh, six or seven years, uh, with, uh, two little ones and, you know, another couple married for a little bit longer and another couple married for a little bit longer who all just really kind of came alongside us. But then now that we are married, I think, I think, uh, like Carissa mentioned, it's really been just kind of pressing into even a wider swath of people. But at the same time, I think one thing that we are, uh, just so grateful for is the way that we have just sought for, uh, the elders here at Grace and our congregation to help us to discern our ministry trajectory into the future and just to see uh, just various ways and opportunities that God has given us to do just that. Because I think for Carissa and I both, we are in some ways scared of trying to uh, discern the uh, Lord's direction for our life alone, uh, the Lord's direction for our life by ourselves. And in some ways, I think that's a healthy fear that has kind of led us to, in the abundance of counselors, their safety and really just seeking to, we think this might be a good idea, but we don't want to just decide that haphazardly. We really need the wisdom of others who are more experienced and further on. And, and I can, I can think I can say that that truly has impacted the way we've gone about pursuing the Lord's will for us in the future and has even uh, compelled us to, to stay in Cedarville uh, and and to just really just try to press into the local church even more than we would have otherwise. Great, great. Well, folks, thank you so much for being with us. I'm so glad to have you here. I think you, we'll be. This will be an encouragement to a lot of people, especially our younger folks. But I can tell you, we have a number of older folks who who <laughs> listen as well, and they will be so pleased to hear these young voices. Before we go, though, I've had a number of people ask me, Cam, intern pastoral resident what is the difference you're going to be moving into a pastoral residency program here in uh next in about august or september that's right can you tell us what is the difference or what do you think the difference is in moving into out of an internship into a residency yeah you know i think in some ways those differences are certainly being parsed out still uh there's a couple of surface level differences an internship is part-time for myself but the residency will be full-time internship is more uh being supervised and observing while also doing, whereas the residency will more so being a uh, kind of forefronted member of the staff alongside everyone else leading in various capacities. But I think the thing that I'm most excited for is I think as I think about an internship, generally that's gain more experience and move on. Uh, and, and, and oftentimes, I think uh, in some ways, my internship is an exception where generally um, people will do an internship at a church that isn't their own. Um, so, th- but I think when I think of a residency, I really think of that as kind of the last stop, the buck stops here as we consider really owning your final preparation before really kind of directing and sending you out to go serve elsewhere. So for me, uh, for me, the residency is, is a component where kind of putting a cap on my own uh, kind of preparation before then going um, and and serving 
serving elsewhere. So, uh, and, and in that way, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity to do that here at Grace, um, where we're laying down roots already. Great. Well, hey, we look forward to continuing to pray with both of you as God leads you into this next phase, whether it be church planning or whatever it might be. We're looking forward to seeing how God uses you. Yeah, Great. thank you so thank much. You. Well, we've been digging deeper today with Cam and Carissa Sardano, and you can access Grace Sermons and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the Media tab. You can go back and listen to Cam from this past week. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. Plan to join us next time. We'll be continuing our discussion of God's Word in Philippians chapter 4. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.